There is plenty of transfer portal news to go around when it comes to the ACC, so we're going to touch base on that. But we're also going to get you excited about some men's hoops this weekend, a slate full of games for Saturday, the best betting action you could have. Louisville and Florida State, that's the one where you're probably going to win the most money. Let's talk about it with Jersey Drake on today's show. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome to today's edition of Locked on ACC. Super excited to have Jersey Drake of Locked on Seminoles back in the building once again to talk over some ACC sports. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channels. It goes down there. Super excited to have a good conversation around not only transfer portal news and some superlatives, but also men's hoops because there are a lot of good games or maybe some best of the worst teams here in our conference going down maybe you went a little money when it's all said and done jersey drake how we feeling happy friday oh happy friday can't wait to tomorrow you know turn on tv <laughs> sit down relax after you know i've been traveling a lot the past few weeks and just watch fsu take on louisville which is basically going to be a battle of please please don't embarrass me in front of the host okay like it's one of those zero and eight one and nine teams that's just terrible but we'll talk about that here in just a bit what we do want to jump into is a lot of trans transfer portal news out of ACC football yet again we know the guys are going left and right but one of the things that has started to glaringly stick out is how many people from certain position groups are leaving and one of the most notable would be North Carolina and literally almost all of their DBs defensive backs decided that they're going to take their talents elsewhere after what four losing games that were just head scratching a lot of people are saying yo what is going on in Chapel Hill I mean, it's interesting, right? I mean, we always discuss how UNC's defense has kind of been basically a bugaboo for them. It's always the offense need to kind of carry the load kind of for them moving forward. But then you see the defensive back room with not only Tony Grimes, but also Storm Duck leaving. I mean, Storm Duck's been there for what? I think this is what, his fourth year now at, mm-hmm. at this point. And it's interesting to me because at FSU, we kind of have a, not a similar problem with players departing. But when you see a, a defensive back, Start the first year, they come in, you know, really well talented. You can tell they were been developed well, but then after year two and year three, you kind of have to sit there and wonder: Are they still the same player in the first year? And somewhat, you kind of when you look at the U secondary, that's kind of a question that actually you can kind of raise a little bit. And then also you see the cause of turnover at the DC spot with Jay Bateman as well as Gene Chizik. Quite frankly, it's you just kind of have to wonder how much longer is Mac Brown going to be there. Hello, somebody. Well, I don't know if it's like he's going to need to retire and you know, find himself out the door. I don't know if it's a, t- a top-heavy problem. I don't know if it's a coordinated problem, but it just feels like there's an issue. There's a lot of elephants in the room. I saw a tweet from Jabari, Jabari Price, who's a former you know, defensive back, and he essentially was just like, oh, well, guys aren't really like, you know, loving the team. And, like, you know, you basically are just giving up, like, where are y'all going to go? All these things. And I'm like, are we watching the same defense from UNC? I was like, as much as these guys have, you know, improved lack of improvement, some of that stuff is just them being set up to fail. And that starts with leadership. And so I'm not, as much as I want to be like, oh, they, you know, mistackled, da, 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 cool. But 
when I hear that you lost four games to backup quarterbacks and you guys didn't prepare for them, I'm starting to think it comes from top down. <laughs> Ma'am, I am always yelling at our defensive staff, whether it be Marcus Woodson, defensive basketball, which I was referring to earlier, or Adam Fuller, because both of them won those corners and the other safeties. And then we see with Andy Richardson, not once, but twice, throw it to Wes Welker Jr., Ricky Pearsall for Florida on two consecutive 45-yard and 53-yard bombs. So yeah. you're right. It, it always comes down from the top how the, how the coaches are prepping the kids because, folks, primarily that is their job is to help prep them and coach them and scheme them up and put them in position to succeed. So that definitely is a question to be raised over in Chapel Hill. A thousand percent. A lot more transport portal news. We talked about a lot of that on yesterday's show. If you have not had a chance to listen, please go back. We talked about Phil Dracovic going to Pittsburgh. We talked about the fact that a lot of guys from Virginia Tech are getting swamped, even Clemson trying to find new homes and all the things. But we do have a little bright spots. We We did superlatives with Alex Dono, but I would love to do it with Jersey Drake as well, because I feel like there might be some different answers and some more inter- just as or more entertaining answers with this bad boy. So, Drake, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, best team out of the ACC this season, that award would go to who? So, I know everyone on here especially not to be the homer and pick Clemson, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Um, the best team at the end of the season is Florida State, and let me okay. tell you why. Please. Not, nine and three team. Mm-hmm. Ends the season on a high note. The three-game losing streak that we did suffer, we were missing a Robert Scott, our left tackle. Fabian Lovell was out for the majority of that time as well. But you see, heading into that, that five-game stretch, Kenton is right. We faced off against Georgia Tech team, no starting quarterback, backup. Miami didn't have that. put the backup in after the second quarter. Same thing as well, like, I think, with, uh, with Syracuse. Actually, no, Syracuse cares where it played. doesn't change the fact you beat them by scoring over 40-plus points to each one of those games and holding... Miami and Syracuse to a field goal each. Mm-hmm. So that's a defense that was top 15 down the stretch. And with Clemson, I mean, we saw DJU for the majority of the time of the year there, and we saw him struggle against South Carolina. We saw him struggle against Notre Dame. If Kate Klubnik had played those last four games, it'd be a different story. I'd be proclaiming that Clemson's the best team. Mm-hmm. With Kate Klubnik also, though, I'm going to hold back on thinking how good this kid's going to be because, like we were just saying, he tore up a UNC defense that we've been reviling all season long. So to me, Florida State is the best team heading into next season. It's the best team at the end of this year because if you play the game once more again at the, at the way we're playing, I would have us winning by seven to ten points. I agree. I think Florida State just you know caught fire at the tail end, but just didn't have you know the right pieces in the puzzle to get it together from a having to beat Clemson standpoint. Other than that, though, you know, I would t- I would definitely want that NC State game back. But you know, we learning all lessons. We all <laughs> And Jordan Travis returning, I I can argue that Florida State might be the best team in the ACC going into next season. I mean, listen, not only is Jordan Travis coming back, Tatum Bethune, the transfer from UCF, the linebacker who was one of our best players in defense coming back, Trey Benson officially announced late last night that he will be coming back as well. He was almost a 1,000-yard rusher after Treshawn Ward went down. And there's been some rumblings that maybe your boy, Fabian Lovett, actually might be coming back too for one last go-around. That's... He's the heart and soul of that defense. And also, Jared Verse might come back. And if he comes back, the band's back together. (laughs) Basically, you're going to be running that back. So, love to see it. All right. Who would you consider the worst team of the ACC this season? I'm not doing Miami. I know everyone wants me to do Miami, but I have a different way to kind of put them in the spot. And to me, it's going to be Boston College. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had really high expectations for Jeff Halfley and the boys. I thought Jeff Halfley was one of the better hires two years ago. Now he's making me look a damn fool. When you have basically the approach you had for the transfer portal where you don't want to bring in kids, and then, oh, look, one offensive lineman goes down. Oh, no, a second offensive lineman goes down. Oh, no, a third one. And you see the pattern keep repeating, and then you have walk-ons playing offensive line where I might put my get my cleats out the closet and probably line up against these boys where we can see what's going to happen, but I'm just joking, yeah. folks. I would be, they would still, the walk-ons would still probably own me. But overall, when you see the season that they had, and there's the utter decline of Phil Dracovic and not putting in a position to succeed. And Zay Flowers, somehow Zay Flowers still being Zay Flowers, just shows how talented the kid is. I had a specific for his team to probably win seven to eight games at BC. And the way they basically kind of stumbled, almost losing the main, losing the UConn. Uh, we made money on that, folks, by the way, so you're welcome. Overall, to me, with this team, it's to me, it's got to be Boston College. Because so Virginia yeah. Tech was close, but I think Boston College kind of deserves a little more because Virginia Tech is in year one. Jeff Halfley's in year three. That is 100% fair. And I also think that, like, I, too, was ready for this to be the year of, like, no excuses for Halfley because you had the COVID situation. You had, you know, try and learn things and blah, blah, They'll get hurt the year before. And now it's kind of like, all right, Phil's back, Zay's back. Defense has improved. DeBerry is out there. I think it's going to be a year. And so I don't know. I've heard from, you know, birdies on the street that it's an administrative thing as to why the transfer portal is not really being utilized. But. Mm-hmm. What you gonna do? I hope. Hopefully, this was the year to see, like, hey guys, much as you don't want to use the transfer portal, unless you figure it out, we gonna stink again. So, I mean, yeah, it's probably an academics thing too, because <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a hindrance there. As I know with Colorado, they had the before, and then when Dion showed up, Dion they kind of like locks that a little bit. That's also why David Shaw left Stanford. It's really hard to bring kids into Stanford academically. Same thing with Wake Forest, and also I know they have Blake James AD. Ugs down. I talked about a little bit yesterday. I can tell you from friends and family, they're very happy to see Blake James gone, just to put the way that he kind of conducts business around here. A thousand percent. I got a question for you, but I do want to ask everyone who is getting ready for bowl season, and especially these basketball games that we're talking about in just a bit, what they're putting their money on. Hit us up on YouTube or the Twitter spaces. You can follow us follow us at Locked on ACC. But if you want to get in your bets, make sure you hit up betonline.net, your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Like we said, we have some really good games happening on the men's front. And listen, ladies are always holding it down over the weekend. So make sure you get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Rocking and rolling with Drizzy Drake of Locked On Seminoles podcast. And my question for you, you know, the big news out of last weekend was not only that DJ get lost his job, but Deion Sanders is going to Colorado. And as someone who covers Florida State, was there a lot of people talking about like, oh, my God, like this is the next step for him to be a power five coach. And eventually he'll come back to Tallahassee. Like, how did that go down? He's not coming to Tallahassee. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> If he went like so, I think the bar in Colorado is so much lower because they don't have the same resources as the rest of the Pac-12 with Power Five. If Dion wins, like if Dion consecutively goes to bowl games there, I think that's already a success. I think you actually have to look at him if he's able to convince and recruit kids to come to Colorado mm-hmm. and get probably get basically it'll be a little bit easier with USC and UCLA leaving to the Big Ten. I think not this season, but the following year. I do think it's stepping stone for him to get a major, major Power Five job. If Norvell, if he's able, if Norvell is able to continue with what we're doing right now, I don't think see him coming here. But if he's not, I think you have to legitimately take a look at him because he's basically, if you make Colorado into somewhat of a winner, 
that's an achievement in and of itself. So a thousand percent. Do you, do you feel like this is home for Norvell Norvell? Like he would not leave if they continue having his success. I think now, I think that's the case, but I think he needs to continue kind of winning with this. Cause if we, if we go to nine and then say next season, we win eight that I think will be stepped back in the wrong direction. Cause if you look at our schedule overall for next season, we have like a Virginia tech, we have a pit. I know Duke, you know, you're a big fan of, but I think next year will be, it's going to be against us. It's going to be at home. So it'll be a little easier for us. Mm-hmm. The path is easily there to not only win 10 games, but also to win the conference easily, especially with the amount of players that are not only coming back, but also the amount of money that's being invested to bring these players back. We have a new collector called the Battles End, which is focused primarily on player retention. Mm-hmm. If you bring all these kids back, all these weapons back, and you don't win 10 games, whoo, a lot of that goodwill is going to be gone, but I definitely think that if he consistently wins here, his definitely could be kind of home for him because he has that old school kind of war, work hard, play hard kind of mentality. Even though apparently Michael Pittman says he listens to the NBA Young Boy, which I thought was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> Michael Ravel is a very interesting character to me, but Florida State in the landscape, I, I do agree. I think there's a lot of positive things happening, and you know, Dion certainly has found his home in Colorado. Maybe, maybe one day the stars will align, but until then, we'll definitely keep rolling on the Norvell train, unless he wants to go somewhere else. I don't know if there's a more a more sexy you know, football job that Norvell would even be open for. But, you know, things that I like to put out there. I do want to keep rolling through my superlatives, though. We talked about best team, worst team, most improved team. Who would you say? I think the most improved team has got to be your squad, Duke. (laughs) The fact that you said that, and I had to be like, which one? I had to think about it for a second. (laughs) I was like, I know he's not talking about North Carolina, but, you know. I know. I ain't talking about North Carolina. I think Duke is probably the one you have to go with the most here. FSU also is up there, but I will say for Duke, the prime, like, I would love to say FSU, but Duke was predicted to only win two and a half games at the season per bet online, per all the betting websites that aren't affiliated with us. They won eight. That's almost quadruple the amount of games they've won. So I've heard that Mike Elko won too fast. Like he did too much too soon and he won with uh, cut close guys. And so now the pressure is going to be on him to recruit well and keep this, you know, stand, new standard that he set for himself up. Oh, so he has basically the Dan Mullen problem where Dan Mullen for, for the first two seasons was winning with a bunch of Jim McElwain guys. <laughs> and then also you hear me go into year four, year three or four. Oh no, I don't have a generational talent like Hal Pitts tight end. Oh no, I don't have... Um, Kadarius Tony, a very, like a speed demon on the outside. I don't have Cal Trask. Oh, that's not that sounds very familiar, but no, that is that is kind of a problem. He does need to rectify that with the recruiting or also with the portal. I mean, we saw basically, I don't see many kids actually transfer into Duke from last season. I know they did lose Jake Bobo to UCLA, who at UCLA he's had a really, really damn good season. That kid is probably definitely going to be going probably the later rounds to the NFL. But to me, winning too fast that definitely is a problem, especially if you didn't do it with your own guys, because that could be kind of a fool's gold in some eyes. But it's more of a wait and see. We got to wait till year three or year four, in my personal opinion, to kind of give a true perspective on how Michael Elko's been doing. A thousand percent agree. And I think that ultimately, like Duke just is trying to figure out how to be in the middle of the pack next season. I think a lot of what ha- not having Atlantic and coastal divisions is going to really expose a lot of teams and a lot of coaches and all the things, because it's like, it's one thing when you're dominating your division and it's like the best of the worst. It's a whole other thing when you're in the middle of the pack of the whole grand scheme. So. Oh very yeah. I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait to beat up on them. Also next year. I'm not even afraid. <laughs> Lord help us. All right. Biggest surprise of the season for ACC football, who do you have? So this I'm going to steal from Alex Donald because I think it's the only team that we can talk about here, and that is the Miami Hurricanes. But I'm not talking about the player. 
Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the coaching staff. And solamente okay. yo quería hablar con mi amigo Mario Manuel Cursaval. Brother, ¿qué pasó? What happened this year? I really, really <laughs> need to understand how this is a Manny Diaz team that was seven and five last season. Yeah. While it wasn't the best team, you still had a verifiably much more talented roster than a majority of your opponents heading into this season. And then you go five and seven. Now, we'll say, culturally, I think Mario's doing the right thing. I know he got rid of the change and everything else. I mean, to me, that's I'm indifferent with that. You know, like, mm -hmm. let the kids have fun, but also you need to earn kind of having the right to have a little bit of fun when it comes to basically at your place of work. Yeah. So I think Mario, as a recruiter, he's elite. They have a top 10 team and everything else overall, but we really need to see basically him do changes on the staff because we saw a decline of a Tyler Van Dyke. We saw basically the running game. Jalen Knighton is gone. Uh, Henry Parrish, while he was successful, didn't see much with that. Wide receivers, you didn't really have the true number one guy. I know Xavier Restrepo was hurt for majority of the year. He's someone that he's a name to watch out for. But overall, to me, this was a team that was slated to win the Coastal. Mm -hmm. And you won five games. You lost to Mel Tennessee. You got blown out at home by your rival by 42-plus points. Mario, probably, he's, he can tell you the same thing, that this, this, this team was very, very fell short of expectations. And that's something that to me is the most shocking because even I, as much as of a Miami Hammer, I hate than I am, didn't expect them to go kind of tie this route this season. Didn't, it's great, but, you know. didn't expect you to stink this bad. You know, I just like, I, my biggest surprise, honestly, was the whole coastal. Like, I just did not expect Carolina to win it for sure. I damn sure didn't expect everyone to be so bad. I mean, Duke came in second. Like, I just wasn't expecting this season for the Coastal to go this horribly. I thought it was going to be like an elevated, we're all battling for the end. It was like one more time for the Coastal. We're going to go out in style. And it was just very lackluster. But also no, the, Atlantic, the Atlantic wasn't great either, if I'm being honest. I mean, listen, um, <clears throat> yeah, when NC State lost Devin Leary, that was a rough time there. And then also with Louisville, basically, oh, we're really good. And then we're not really good. Oh, we're really good. Oh, Scott South is leaving the dead of night, basically. He was going out cheating. <laughs> um, and then you have Wake Forest, where they were extremely good, and then I just yeah. don't know what happened. Actually, that might be my most shocking. The way <laughs> Wake Forest actually collapsed down the stretch, because that was just... down their leg, yeah. Uh, man, man, they did a lot more than piss down their leg. That was just... It was... Oh, that was graphic. And <laughs> I felt bad. I was like, this isn't the same fun offense that we Fight used back. to <laughs> I, Stand up! Stand up! <laughs> but yeah, it's just that's... No, that's my, there you go. That's my most shocking. The Wake Forest collapsed down the stretch. There we go. All right, last one. Biggest surprise going into 2023. Who should we be like? All right, wait a minute now. They might be coming fat bigger than you think. Um, so this is really hard for me mm -hmm. because I do think I, I pick one of the Florida teams. I might cheat and pick both, like Alex Dono. I'll start with Miami. And I the reason I say this is because I can't expect them to be this bad once again. And also I do believe I like Mark Cristobal a lot. I'm one of the few Florida State probably people that will tell you that. And I'm not saying that because we beat his ass. I'm mainly saying that because I really, really do think that he is a really good recruiter. I do think his kids respond. You look at the, his team over at Oregon. I know people don't like saying that, but he did recruit primarily the majority of those kids at Oregon. He won the Pac-12 twice. The new recruiting class they're bringing in is going to be elite. I do trust him to make kind of the changes to staff. I don't think Josh Gass will be there next season. So you bring in an OC who's a little more friendly, just I think he might need to check his ego at the door because one thing about his head coaches. The reason they're in the position that they are in is because their egos are large and they're good at what they do and they know what they're good at what they do. It's what makes mm -hmm. them get paid good and get in the play good. So to mm -hmm. me, he needs to look himself with that. 
And then Florida State, too. I think Florida State has a real chance next season to probably win 10 or 11 games with Jordan Travis. I heard that yesterday with the Heisman campaign already starting this next season, but also bringing the band back together. We have some transfer kids coming in that uh, I've been hearing that I'm very excited about. And this is going to be, this gives me a lot of the 2012 vibes where we played NIU in the Orange Bowl and then 2013 next year. I mean, that was 10 years ago for next season. So maybe, hey, every single decade we're good. I'll take that. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right, Florida team, POP, hold it down. Y'all going to have to show us something because, you know, apparently the rest of the ACC is just going to be mediocre. But who knows? All I'm saying that to say is we got to transition into basketball. And what a better time to talk about Florida State basketball. Speaking of mediocrity, there's a lot of good things happening on the men's basketball front this Saturday. If you guys have not checked out the games, we're going to go through them just a bit and talk a little bit about some money. Because at the end of the day, who do you put your money on this early in December? You know, it's really a toss up, but we can definitely roll through these. Florida State and Louisville open up our weekend. They play at 1 p.m. And oh, my Lord, on ACC Network, I'm just going to be tuning in to see, like, is there improvement? Who wants it better? Like, don't give the game away. Hopefully it doesn't come down to the guys and blouses. Like, I just I want to see a good game. Is, is that what we're going to get out of Florida State Louisville? I don't know. I hope so, man. I really hope so, man. <laughs> so, folks, for those of you that don't know, Battle Line does not have their lines out because it is the day before. But I, I recommend going over to Bart Torvik. That's one of the more advanced measures. Personally, what I use for gambling because I can't watch every single basketball game. And also, Dave's mm-hmm. the one that kind of put me on that. So, shout out to my co-host, Dave. Right yeah. now, Florida State is projected to win this game by around eight points. And to me, if you see the line around five or six, take Louisville to cover that. I don't think Louisville's going to win this game. But I'll be damned if Louisville comes into the tuck and wins that game because Chris Mack is gone. I mean, Chris yeah. Mack, Ham was that was that man's daddy for a very long time. This is a new head coach, but Louisville, they're still looking for that first win. There is kind of a pseudo kind of bad blood between the two programs for over the past decade, ever mm-hmm. since Ham's been there. So take Louisville to cover this game, but take Florida State's going to win this game outright. And, you know, I think that, you know, Florida State was actually in that game against Virginia. So they've they've had, like, moments and flashes where you say, okay, like, pieces are there. They just haven't really, besides the one game, been able to put it together. So maybe this is the one where they'll start this nice little streak going. Yeah, but we lost Cameron Fletcher for the rest of the year, another player. So we're Doesn't down, we're down <laughs> I think, like, seven players in the walk-ons. And uh, we used to tweet out the whites, the whites kind of gift when we could bring in the Green Vipers, a.k.a. the, the bench players. We can't do that anymore. And it makes me pretty sad. Very sad. All right, two classic teams here. Georgetown faces off against Syracuse as well on ABC at 1 p.m. And Syracuse, definitely an up-and-down team. They definitely have lost some head scratchers. They've won some ones where you're like, all right, Syracuse, what we got going on here? But when it's all said and done, I just feel like it's we're, we're on the uh, Bayheim retirement clock. That's all I want to I want to say. About yeah, us. so right now, Bartovic has the Syracuse, or is it Georgetown? Yeah, it's, a, Georgetown. it's also an eight, eight-point game. Take Syracuse here with Jim Bayham with that. I really don't think this isn't the Georgetown that you kind of remember growing up. This isn't, mm-hmm. I think Patrick Ewing, he's not the coach. He's still not the coach there, correct? Or he's still his uh, coach there? I believe he's still coach there. He's still the coach there? Okay. Mm-hmm. If this isn't the Georgetown that you kind of remember, like I grew up watching or you grew up watching, take Syracuse with this overall. So. Well, you know, couldn't have said it better. NC State faces off against Miami, an NC State team that is surprisingly 8-2, and and Miami 9-1, and having a good start to the season. Two teams that, you know, certainly have had polarizing, you know, years last season where Miami had that hell of a run in the NCAA tournament. NC State couldn't even get there, but now, you know, we're finding that they are 
putting some pieces together and getting some good wins. They know that Keats has to get those wins after the contract extension and all the things. But I'm just sitting here saying on ACC Network Extra at 2 p.m., do we go with the Hurricanes or the Wolfpack? So I like Miami in this. I was kind of a believer in Miami last season. I was a big Isaiah Wong kind of fan. And then now Bartorvik kind of agrees with me. They're at a four-point kind of differential here as well. With NC State, though, I didn't expect them to come off this kind of start. So that's actually probably kind of big for them. And overall, to me, I think Miami will win this out. I think they're the better team. I think they're the better coach team. Jim Laranenga, I think, is one of the more unsung or underrated coaches in the ACC. So give me – I already talked to you know, Matt Smack about y'all earlier today. But for basketball, but for basketball, it's a different story. I think I like where your program's heading and the players that you have. So uh, give me Miami in this one. Yeah, we have uh, the holiday hoops giving between LSU and Wake Forest. It'll start at 2 p.m. on ESPNU. Wake Forest, a team that you know certainly has some good goodness about them. Forbes is make keeping them in the right direction in terms of being a solid team. They'll face off against a seven and one LSU program. This is you know potential of what we'll see about the ACC SEC challenge that we have about us uh, these days, but. When you talk about Wake Forest, are they going to be able to pull off this win against a pretty good uh, ACC LSU program? So actually, LSU and Wake Forest kind of neck and neck per like overall team rankings right now. LSU is ranked at number sixty-eight. Wake Forest is number seventy-one. So this is basically kind of more of a toss-up game. And you were asking last week, like basically, what like what would the SC ACC kind of cha- uh, challenge kind of feel like? Kind of you know bring bring, bring the table. I mean, we're going to get that answer on Saturday. And when it comes to LSU Wake Forest, Wake Forest is a team that's very well coached. Um, I know that Alondis Williams is no longer there anymore, but they're still kind of continuing where they left off from last season and being a competitive and being a consistently strong team on both ends of the floor. So to me, I will take LSU in this one because LSU, as you're saying, I think they do have a little more star power for that squad. So give me LSU. But don't be surprised if you see the line open up tomorrow morning, you know, Wake Forest plus two, maybe plus three. If it goes up to that, maybe you know, sprinkle a little bit on Demon Dinkins. Loyola, Chicago, and Clemson are also participating in the hoops giving, and quiet as it's kept, you'll see Sacred Heart and Pitt facing off. Villanova and Boston College will be down there for the Never Forget Tribute Classic, so if you want to check out that game, and then Maryland Eastern and Duke will face off at 530 on, not, yeah, 530 on ACC Network, and Duke, quite as it's kept, been a top 15 team that nobody's really, like, giving a lot of noise to, and I think it's because this team that I want to talk about next, Georgia Tech and North Carolina, North Carolina's doing so bad that Duke's, you know, been able to fly under the radar with whatever positive or minuses it has going on for them, but for North Carolina, is this, like, can we get one game? Are we still, are we going to be on the streak? How long can we go before we end this losing streak? I mean, What's the what's the what's that saying from like Rocky or whatever? Like it doesn't matter how hard you get hit, something how hard you get hit, get up and keep on going. Mm-hmm. This is you're getting to the point now where you just need to win one game. Yeah. And I don't think you're given a better opportunity to do that against Georgia Tech. Now, if you find a way, I think when you lose a game, you get to find a way to lose to the Georgia Tech team. It's like when you play Florida State, you find a way to lose to the Florida State team. I mean, it's it's getting pretty bad right now because yeah. right now it's a team, it just seems like they're not responding, they're not gelling. Every all the goodwill from last season is utterly gone. You can't you yeah. can't rest in your lore with that whatsoever. So yeah. to me with this one, I think they'll win this game, but take towards Tech to cover because uh until they prove <laughs> until they prove otherwise, you're gonna have to like keep it just fade them until you know you prove them wrong. 
These are definitely scary hours for North Carolina indeed. Well, we are going to wrap up the show here, but would love for you guys to give us some comments about your favorite basketball games heading into the weekend. More importantly, where are you putting your money down? So for Jersey Drake and Candace Cooper, we hope you guys have a great and safe weekend. We know that all the things when it comes to just being safe out here in these streets, these winter weather streets, make sure you take care of yourselves for until next time. We'll see you on Monday with Ken Gibbs, the Locked on Wolfpack.